Hi, this is Donna Otto, and I'm wishing you a very, very blessed Holy Christmas. Uh, We're talking in these last days of the three I words uh, that um, are part of the Christmas story, the invitation, the invitation. And today we're talking about, and the third one is intimacy. The middle one is iteration, iteration. What does that mean? To iterate something is to repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. If somebody calls you an old nag, you're an iteration person. (laughs) You repeat and repeat and repeat, and that's a very good thing in the scope of um, understanding and hearing this gospel message. This is the gospel, part of the gospel message the birth of Christ, the miracle birth, all of the pieces that come together, shepherds watching a star, the wise men going to Herod and Herod saying, hey, let me know when you find him. I want to worship him too. And then they decide not to go home that way. There's so much unveiling. And if you're like I am, every Advent, I go through the passages and I think, oh, that's like brand new to me. It means something different. I think this year it's been mostly about um, Anna and Simeon, which I talked about a few days ago, because maybe it's my age that's creeping up on me. Maybe it's the definitions of who these people are. This Advent, in my reading and rereading these very well-worn and very used passages, um, I have new understandings of Jesus and how it all came to be how this whole thing came to be. In Luke, and and Luke is, um, I think a lot of people sit on Luke for the Christmas story because it has um, all the components in it. But in the first chapter of Luke is 80 verses long, and the second chapter is 52 verses long. So when you sit down to read it, you know, put your feet up. It's It's not a slow, I mean, it's not a short read. But in Luke chapter 1, verse 36 and 37, he says, And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Have you heard that before anywhere? Have you heard that at Christmas time any other Christmas year? This iteration of the story, the characters that I listed, Gabriel and Joseph and Mary and Anna and Elizabeth and Zechariah and the angels and the shepherds and the wise men, I mean, they're, they're just familiar. I think I could stop a total stranger on the street and say, I'm a reporter and I'd like you to tell me just some names of the people found in the birth of Christ story. Christ's story has a lot of characters in it. And Gabriel, who is the messenger, and Mary, who's the virgin mother. Uh, and here in this verse, in verse 37, he says, For nothing will be impossible with God. Anyone ever say that to you? 
did you ever get in the mully grubs or in a horrible situation? You've lost a loved one. There's marital discord. Your children have chosen paths that are not good and, and holy for them. And we say, is, is God here? Is he a part of this? This iteration of repeating and repeating and repeating the truth. For nothing will be impossible with God. How many times could I say that? Could I just start saying that and repeating it and repeating it till the end of our podcast today? I could. I'm not going to. So don't worry. But I think we get, oh, I've heard that, or I know that. I've read that. There's a, a wonderful medium of reading God's Word in a very meditative way. And instead of reading for speed or knowledge, we read it so that the words will like settle in. Did you ever say this to your child? Now slow down. Slow down. Say it back. They come in the door and you can't understand what they're saying. They're talking so fast. Now slow down and repeat that again. Or we say it to our children. I'm going to repeat this to you very slowly so you hear me. Or we say, I'm not going to say this again. And yet there is this iteration that happens over and over and over again. And if I sit quietly with just those two verses, I feel the friendship, the assurance uh, that I understand Mary had with God and that I have with God also. So I don't want the repetitiveness of the story. And you say, oh, no, they're going to use that passage again. And I think sometimes I have been to services in other countries during Christmas or other cities and states while we have been uh, traveling uh, for Christmas. And I hear a pastor who takes another passage, and he's still speaking of God and Jesus, but he stays away from these familiar passages. And I always think that's just a little too bad, because when we iterate and iterate and reiterate the same thing, it becomes very familiar. It's still made new to me. All things are made new to to me. The scripture tells me that I am being made perfect. I am not perfect, although I certainly wish I were. And for a lot of my life, I tried to prove that I was. And for those of you who know me at all, you know that's to be true. Being made perfect. The idea of being made perfect is very appealing to me. One, that's part of my nature. Let's not talk about Enneagram and numbers and all of that. It is part of, I want all things to be perfect, especially me, all right? Now, I know that's not possible, although I spent a lot of young years trying to make it happen. But the fact that I am being made perfect, you see, I recognize and know from the scripture that one day, I will be with him who is perfect, and I will be perfect too, because we will be together in a new place called heaven. So I, the iteration of things for me is the ongoing. Now, I love to learn. And some of you go, oh, that woman stopped trying to teach me something. I, I, I know it's true. That's what I'm trying to do. But I want to incite in you a riot 
that says every time you read a portion of scripture, if it's one verse, especially if you read it meditatively and you say, Lord, what does this have to do with me? You iterate something you've already read, something you already know, something you know all the history about, but what does it mean to you today? Because here's the thing, you're not who you were last Christmas. I don't know what happened to you in the last 365 days. I know some of the things that happened to me. We moved, moving uh, moving from property that we lived in for 40 plus years. A lot of things have changed from one Christmas to the next. So God repeats and repeats in his word. He repeats the importance of community. He repeats the importance of worship. He calls us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Do you ever wonder why we pray the Lord's Prayer more than once? Have you ever done a fixed hour prayer? Well, every hour on the hour you pause to say a prayer, maybe the Lord's Prayer. He holds us over and over again the importance of sacrifice, the importance of his love for us. And how about the big S word, surrender, surrender. He repeatedly repeats and repeats and iterates that these things are part of our walk in faith with him. I grew up without many memories or traditions, certainly that were good memories and traditions. But that did not stop my Heavenly Father from reminding me that it's never too late to change that. It's never too late. It is never too late with God. Never. You say, yeah, but I've done all, and now, and I, no, no, let me, let me say it again. It is never too late with God. Are there consequences? Yes, but in the world you shall have trouble. And if Christ is with you, you will get through it. Remember that suffering is a part of your affinity to Jesus Christ. And as you suffer, you learn to endure. And as you endure, you learn the peaceful fruit of righteousness. It is never too late. So begin this season with some activities that maybe you've thought about. Reading or rereading the accounts, lighting the candles, caroling. Maybe it's just eating the same favorite food that allows your family to laugh and talk. When our daughter was a teenager, she somewhere ate a crepe. It probably was she was in France for a summer being a nanny for some missionary kids. That's probably when it happened. She came home and she wanted crepes. I thought, good for you. Well, you want to know? Let's make them. So I bought her a little pan and had a recipe, and she made crepes. And on Christmas morning, Anissa made crepes with pigs in a blanket. You know what that is? The blanket was the crepe, and the pigs were the sausages with an apple au bear on top of it. And the apple au bear was a French word for saying apple that has been sautéed in butter and cinnamon and sugar, and then you put it on top of the crepe, which has the sausage inside, and you love it, period. But that was her tradition. And she started it. And we, to this day, still serve it on Christmas morning. We repeat it. And every time we repeat it, we can talk about those things. And every time you repeat the word of God in you, you have the familiarity of knowing him and knowing what he is wanting to invite you to do and you are willing to allow it to be reiterated in you. This is a rhythm. This is a rhythm of life, a rhythm of life. We all have rhythms of life. I have an adult friend whose rhythm of life sounds just like this. 
gets up in the morning late, eats, goes back to bed, sleeps, watches television, eats dinner, stays up late watching television, sleeps, wakes up in the morning late, and does the same thing the next day. It's his rhythm. It's his rhythm. It's his choice. It's his rhythm. All of us have a rhythm. Some rhythms are better than others. Some rhythms are more concrete than others. Some rhythms are caused because we have no options. A young daughter of my heart who I was with just recently said that her in-laws are losing their ability to take care of themselves. Their rhythm is changing. She said, my mother-in-law was still in her pajamas at four in the afternoon, new to this woman. Her rhythm is changing because of her age and illness. But we all have rhythms. We move from one rhythm to another rhythm, and we uh, iterate it by doing it and repeating it. I want to encourage you to recognize that this is a way of life and encourage you to, this season, reread the accounts. The innkeeper who's in is full. Is that the one you want to read about? Well, then read it. Reread it again. If there are more comfortable versions of the Christmas account, then read those. We love to read the Luke 2 passage in the King James Version. We have to go and get the King James Version off the shelf because neither one of us in our house use it. But there is something about the firstborn baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Just lays you back to the chime when you were a small child in the Christmas program. So iteration is a part of our lives. Don't run from it. Don't run from it. No room in the end. We've heard these uh, repetitive stories. I just want to highlight a few of them and see, as I say them, are they familiar? I am Joseph, son of Levi. Joseph was of the royal family. The city of David was Bethlehem. Everyone knew the Hebrew scripture referred to Jerusalem as the city of David. Unto her a child was given. Are these familiar words? Mary visited her cousin Elizabeth in the hill country of Judea. Not just visited, but in the hill country of Judea. If Joseph had failed to find shelter in Bethlehem, he would naturally have turned to Zechariah and Elizabeth, but he did not have time for those extra miles. Now, there are lots of uh, words written, studies prepared about all the things that the scripture tells us as a part of the story. The city of David is where Joseph's family is from. He probably had a cousin, a third cousin, a fourth cousin or something. Does that mean that the baby was coming quick and they had to find a place? It wasn't that there wasn't a hotel. There wasn't a hotel, but there wasn't a place and they took the first place. We don't know. We don't know the details of it. One of the most, um, uh, what shall I say, exciting is not quite the right word, um, interesting Mm, that's kind of shallow. I don't know. It's a word like that. When I came to recognize what the stable in that time of history really looked like. Okay, so imagine that the house is linear, long, thin, 
and it's divided, and one end of it was a stable, literally in the house. That's where the stable was because of the weather and the conditions, and they had prized pieces, animals, and they were they couldn't lose them. So you went through this door, and sort of to the left of this long was a stable. And then the rest of it was the living room, where the family lived in one room. And some of those long rectangular facilities had even a guest room. It was divided, so the living room was smaller, and they had a guest room. In in years to come, they called it the prophet's chamber, and they were so glad to have a place that they could put someone. And from what history reveals to us, the stable was in this house with a few animals and straw and food. Thank you, I don't want to live in that. And the manger was there in that building. There wasn't a guest room, so they all were there together. I don't know if that's true or not true, but it opened my mind to imagining as I reiterated the account of Joseph and Mary and pregnant, about to give birth. Wow. About to give birth in a town where she's not welcome, where she doesn't have a place. And may I tell you, uh, the way we give birth today is so vastly different that it's hard to even relate to it. But I know the one thing she did was to get on a donkey at nine months pregnant and travel for 75 miles. So it's no surprise to me that when I reread that story and recognize that fact that this baby was coming, this baby was ready to come, whether she was for the first child to be delivered or not, she knew what was happening and she said, Joseph, now find us a stable. We'll take it. I don't know. Maybe that's not how it happened. But I've read that story many times, and there are many possibilities. We do not know all the details. So this Christmas season, will you take time to repeat, to repeat, to repeat the accounts of the birth, the days before, the days followed, the characters who are contained in this account? And will you take time to share it with your family to read the Christmas story to a shut-in to someone who's not able to get to church this season, to listen to a, a group of Christmas pieces of music together with someone who loves music as you do. Start a new traditions this year. Include people you don't normally include around your table during the month of Christmas. I can't believe we have just one show left together before the year is over. It's been wonderful to be with you. It is my joy and privilege to host this show and talk about things as the Lord leads me. We will end our time together in talking about intimacy, the rhythm of intimacy, as we looked first at the rhythm of invitation and then iteration and lastly, intimacy. I pray that the repetition of the Christmas story will change you this year and that you will go home, as the wise men did, a different way, a changed person. Open your heart to the things that the Lord has for you. Remember the common begin and the uncommon finish. Make it an uncommon day of receiving his invitations and iterations. <laughs>